relief factor, pain relief that's natural, pain relief that works, and pain relief that attacks the source of the pain. That's the experience of tens of thousands of Americans who are taking Relief Factor right now. See their incredible video endorsements at relieffactor.com and then order your three-week quick starter pack for just $19.95. That's less than a dollar a day. Find out if it can work for you like it works for me by ordering your three-week quick starter pack today. Relieffactor.com, relieffactor.com. Be the next success story. This is America First with Sebastian Gorka. Welcome, dear friends, to America First. Now, when Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east and have come to worship him. When Herod the king heard this, he was troubled and all Jerusalem with him. And assembling all the chief priests and scribes of the people, he inquired of them where the Christ was to be born. They told him in Bethlehem of Judea, for so it is written by the prophet... And you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For from you shall come a ruler who will govern my people Israel. Then Herod summoned the wise men secretly and ascertained from them what time the star appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem, saying, Go and search diligently for the child. And when you have found him, bring me word that I too may come and worship him. When they had heard the king, they went their way. And lo, the star which they had seen in the east went before them, till it came to rest over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. And going into the house, they saw the child with Mary his mother, and they fell down and worshipped him. Then, opening their treasures... They offered him gifts, gold and frankincense and myrrh. And being warned in a dream not to return to Herod, they departed to their own country by another way. That was chapter 2 of the Gospel according to St. Matthew. Dear friends, it's almost upon us. It is that time of year where we give thanks for not just being alive and for surviving the year, but for the grace of God that he sent his only son to earth. And that son willingly took our sins upon himself. He was blameless. He was the spotless lamb. But he took our sins upon himself and died to provide for us eternal life. It's a time to also understand what is different about this nation in which we live. Prior to 
Western civilization being established, the rise of Judeo-Christian principles. Life everywhere was brutish and short. Your survival depended not on a system securing your rights because you had no rights. You were a pawn of fate, and fate was capricious. Your survival depended upon the strength of your tribe, your clan, the rulers above you, and the individual meant not very much. That all changed when the Lord chose his own people, led them out of the wilderness, and guaranteed for them a home. That tribe was Israel, and they had a covenant with their Lord and Savior. Before that, there was no such idea as a covenant with God or with the gods. The idea that human beings would be in some kind of two-way relationship with their creator or creators above them. But that changed with the Old Testament. A relationship, a covenantal relationship was established between man and the creator in whose image he had been formed. But that covenant was upgraded. Christianity, as one person told me during our recent visit to the Holy Land, is the 2.0 of Judaism. Because now that covenantal relationship, secured by the sacrifice of our Creator's only Son, is for everyone. It's not just for a chosen people, for the people of Israel. It's for all peoples, Gentiles included. And that covenant is the center, is the identity of this nation. Think about the fact that no other nation on God's earth is predicated in its creation, in its very fabric, on the concept that its citizens have rights that they accrue from their creator. No other nation has in its founding document the word creator with a capital C as ours does. Why is God in our founding document? Because if our rights don't come from above, then they're just random, then they're just temporarily given to us by a ruling elite, a king, an emperor, a president, a prime minister. But if they come from God, we are sovereign. The people are sovereign. And those who reign above us only do so when we gift them temporarily a mandate to do so. That is what our second greatest president after Washington meant when he said, government of the people, by the people, for the people. The government is of the people. The government derives its power from the people. And it is the people that govern themselves. That is who we are as a nation. However, there are dark forces afoot that wish to dismantle all of that. There is an elite 
that constitutes both parties, the members of which believe they get to decide, they have a permanent mandate, the sovereignty of the nation is theirs, and what you wish for or what you choose is an irrelevance, in fact is worse, is a, is a nuisance, because they know better. You are filth, you are scum, you mean nothing to the elite. How else can you justify 107,000 Americans killed by fentanyl drug overdoses in the last 12 months? How can you excuse otherwise more than 2 million illegal aliens that we know of crossing the border and this administration saying, no, no, there is, there is no open border? How can you justify a 4,000-page, $1.7 trillion budget bill being dropped yesterday? to be passed tomorrow in which it says we will give millions of dollars to Jordan, to Egypt, to Libya to secure their borders, but not a penny must be used to secure ours. That only happens when the elite is out of control and think you are expendable. God gave us our rights. It's time to take them back. What are you doing about it? Merry Christmas. I'm Sebastian Gorka. This is America First, coming to you live from just outside the insalubrious, fetid, rank, malodorous swamp that is Washington, D.C. We have a very special one-on-one today, the proof of what they did and are doing to steal your republic by somebody who was inside the machine. Never miss any of our in-depth discussions. Go right now to Spotify, subscribe, Sebastian Gorka, America First. Leave us a five-star review, save. Make sure you send the link so we can save our republic. And in the last few days before Christmas, check out all the America First gear you could ever want at sebgorkastore.com. That's S-E-B-G-O-R-K-A store.com. Hi, this is President Trump, and Sebastian is really a friend of mine. He's a great guy. He's been with me from the beginning. Listen to him. We all learn. Thank you, President Trump. That is most kind. I do like that line. Uh, Just seen this on Twitter uh, from somebody who is usually reliable, so we're waiting for confirmation. I just asked for a source, but, oh, he's actually tagged Elon Musk, so I think it's probably true. FBI has just released a statement, this was just moments ago, saying the Twitter files are, quote, a campaign of disinformation in an attempt to discredit the agency. Yeah, right. Uh, We'll get you the uh, confirmation of that uh, momentarily, but first things first, it's that time of the week where we check in with one of our best 
our most courageous warriors for the Republic and for truth. She's a co-host of The Morning Answer, AM 870, AM 590, also CRN Digital Talk. Jennifer Horn, how is your Christmas shaping up so far? Merry Christmas. Happy Hanukkah. I'm, I'm in the spirit. I'm having a great time. I'm wearing my green today. I'm ready to go. All right. Can we do what? Do we have that phrase in America, show and tell? Can we do a bit of show and tell? Yeah, I love this. All right, so Eric, let's do some live show and tell. Grab the item, the heavy item I left in our green room today and schlep it into our studio because I want to embarrass our guest. Oh, no. <laughs> That's what we do here. Uh, I love just, this. Just, Thank just, you. Just, just give it to me. Eric has just... Oh, my... <laughs> Oh, oh the God. box arrived. Look at this. The box. <laughs> the box. The box arrived. Okay. Yes. What is this? Let's let's have a look. It's 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 a card. It's a big it's box. A it's a big box for a card. Mm-hmm. And it says Old West cinnamon rolls. Oh yeah. And what does it have in it? It has. Uh, I think it's got. <laughs> I think it's heavier than the omnibus bill. Forget those four thousand pages. It we, is. We have. Cinnamon rolls. We have all kinds of pastries. We've oh my gosh, look at those pecan covered pastries. That's what you want. We have Take icings. Those. We have oh my gosh, who, why why would somebody do this to us? Are they are they trying to undermine my PhD weight loss? Who who did this, Jennifer Hall? <laughs> I figured for the holidays you could maybe take a little break, and that was me. I wanted to give you guys a little bit of holiday cheer this year, and you know how much I appreciate our friendship and your whole team is awesome, and so I just wanted to share it with everybody. And I'll tell you what my goal was this year. My goal was to make sure that I was using businesses in California that struggled during the pandemic that were able to stick around and make it through. This is not a chain. This isn't not that there's anything wrong with the chains. There's great usage for the Harry and Davids of the world. But this is a place that I absolutely love. It's historic. It's in Pismo Beach, Old West Cinnamon Rolls. It's well known. It's been featured probably a million times on the Food Network. So I thought this would be a good way to support them and support some of the businesses that are trying to come back. Back in California, and then and sabotage my diet. Yeah, and sabotage you. <laughs> the, the the pecan um, the pecan pastries look rather good. Yeah, and by the way, that's a protein. The nut is a protein. Uh, uh, yeah, kind Cinnamon of. is good to beat inflammation. <laughs> you know, just you do are a little really trying hard. That's it. <laughs> All right. Well, I, I'm, I'm going to leave it here overnight. I may, I may or may not. I cannot confirm or deny whether I will be trying the cinnamon pastry. You have to pastry. take at least one, and you have to share with your wife, please. Just do it. You'll love it. It'll be fine. Cut it into dare, half. dare I? Dare I yes, do it? I shall. Okay. There. And tomorrow <laughs> we're going to have our Christmas lunch. So we're going to have the Christmas lunch with the team. Although Eric is flying west. I don't know why we allow him to have any time off. I mean, Eric, why do you need holidays? I thought I you know. loved this show. It's a long trek back. It's a long road back to the People's Republic of California where my family is. All right. You, you know what somebody said to me yesterday? Was it today? Or was it yesterday? Somebody called it. <laughs> I hate to do this with you on the line. Called California. He's, he was in California. He said, "Yeah, uh, I'm in America adjacent." That's right. <laughs> it's true. If there, there was a big earthquake here this week, no laughing matter because a couple of people died. It was like a 6.4 up in northern. My California. daughter was there. She said it was scary. Did she feel it? Yes. Uh, it was all the way up in Humboldt County where they, they're pretty well. They're assisted up in Humboldt. You know, they're very well known for their marijuana business up in uh. Chico, Humboldt County. It's. It's one of the higher places of Northern California, if you know what I mean. But yes. 
Uh, if California snapped off and broke into the ocean, I'm not sure that Americans in the middle of the country would care all that much. That's for sure. <laughs> I've been in one earthquake here in D.C. when I was at Fort McNair teaching. And I tell you, it's the creepiest thing. because That's strange. Because you have no frame of reference if you've never been in one. Mm-hmm. So your mind doesn't... Your, your mind doesn't go to, oh, the, the, the ground is shaking because you've never experienced that before. So you think it's your nervous system. You, you think your body's failing and it must be you that's the problem. And, and, and it is the creepiest thing, isn't it? It is. I will tell you a couple of things that helped me. And that is, first of all, you always question your own sanity. So whether you're wait, you're sleeping or if you're awake when an earthquake happens, you're always like, oh my gosh, this is finally it, the right. moment that I'm collapsing. But once you go and realize that it's actually, you know, Mother Nature shaking you around a little bit, the thing that helps, I, I took a class when I was going to college. Um, I started, it was a long story, but I start, was going to go to Penn State and then I decided to work for my dad and I decided to go to school out here. Cal State Northridge was just recovering from the Northridge earthquake from a few years before. And so I was having trouble getting classes. So to get some of my general ed knocked out, I was going to Glendale Community College just to knock out a few classes before my four year. And one of the classes was taught by Kate Hutton, who was the face that you saw from Caltech after every single earthquake. She was she's known across the country. She was really like the spokesperson for whenever the ground would shake. Well, like she was an expert or something. Oh, absolutely. She was an expert. She took it was the greatest class because, you know, you have to take an earth science. And one of the earth sciences that was offered to us for our curriculum was earthquakes. And I thought, why not take that class? What a cool a class on earthquakes. That sounds so cool. The entire semester was all about earthquakes and and tectonic shakes and all, you know, all of that stuff. It was really, it was really interesting. But she took us on a tour of Caltech. So we got to see the Richter scale. We got to see all of it. And what really helped me is that as a scientist, she said, you know, when you go through an earthquake, you identify the waves of the earthquake. That initial jolt is your P wave. That's the primary wave. And then that rolling feeling. I'm learning the P wave. The P wave. And then the S wave, which is the secondary wave that comes next. And when you start identifying those pieces and you start realize what you realize what's happening, it becomes a little bit less scary. Plus, every time the earth shakes, we should remind ourselves to make sure we're ready to go. And I'm preaching to the choir here because I'm certainly not as prepared as I need to be. But you think about 70,000 customers without power up in Northern California after this quake. And there were injuries and roads were, were knocked apart. You need to have a couple of days worth of water. You need to have yeah. a little bit of food, your medications, stuff for your animals. It's a really good reminder to make sure that we're all prepared, no matter what your natural disaster is, because everybody's got one no matter where they live. I, I just told this um, to, to the guys in, in the break, and it, I, I know it's, you know it's not an earthquake, but, but it does give you a sense of perspective. Talking to a good friend of mine, mm-hmm. Francis Foster, who co-hosts one of the best podcasts in the UK, and his wife is Ukrainian. And he's, he's, you know, traveling for Christmas. And I said, are you going to the Ukraine to see your family? He says, no, yeah. we can't go. It's, it's too difficult right now. Most of the people, just think about this for a second. Mo- this is a, a nation of what, 50, 60 million people. Most of the people don't have heating or electricity. Unbelievable. Now, now this, is, this isn't California where not, not having AC is an issue. This is Eastern Europe where the it's winters freezing. are brutal utterly brutal so whether it's a you know a a, a two-minute earthquake Mm -hmm. or or whether it's an actual war zone everyone just just a couple of things you you don't have to you know have six months worth of food but you know just one of our my patriot supply buckets of food for the family your medicines have have just Mm -hmm. you know a couple of weeks with if you need any kind of medicine 
you need a couple of weeks worth even these a pair of extra pair of reading yeah. glasses okay and then and my good friend chris plant says you know and half a tank of gas is an empty tank of gas just, that is so true right i mean yes. imagine something hits and you got to pick up your kids they're stranded mm-hmm. in the middle of nowhere and you've got a quarter tank of gas and, and, you know, there's a line around the block or the local gas station's got a rupture in the fuel line so they can't serve you. And then, and then you're just like, oh, uh, you're just looking. Yeah. So, you know, know your kids, know your family's phone numbers. How many people know the phone mm-hmm. number of their mom and dad or their and grandparents? And have a meeting point. Yes. And a lot of times also, I, I can't believe we're doing like prepper talk here, but it's a really, it's actually really good information. One of the things they always tell you in California is to have a relative or a friend outside of the state, or in this case, outside of the country that you can, that everybody can check in with, because a lot of times the local lines will start to go to pieces. So if you're looking to get a hold of a parent or a sibling or a kid, you may not be able to do it in the state after a national disaster or natural disaster. It's better to have, you know, my friends Seb and Katie. I can call them outside in Virginia right. to check in so that everybody has a meeting point. That's a really good plan to have. It's too. called an ERV in the British Army emergency rendezvous. And don't forget, right. don't forget to have some high calorie emergency supplies <laughs> uh, like your uh, your uh, your Merry Christmas shipment from the best of the best Old West cinnamon rolls. We love you, Jennifer. Don't go anywhere. I'm Sebastian Gorka. This is America First. Coming to you live from ReadyFactor.com studios. Our one-on-one today is absolutely incredible. Head of cyber at the deep state inside the, uh, this, the Department of State. You've got to hear what he has to say about Twitter. It's the tip of the iceberg. Subscribe today. Go to Spotify. Plug in my name, Sebastian Gorka, America First. Leave us a five-star review. Share the links with your friends. It is crucial to have the right information. Back with Jen in a moment. Listening to Dr. Sebastian Gorka, a man who's taken down Eastern European governments with just the sound of his voice. I gotta share this with you guys. A good person who DMs me on Facebook now and again, he said, This article is clearly BS, but I wanted to share it with you anyway. Okay, uh, the article states the following. Elon Musk has announced the new CEO of Twitter, and it's Donald Trump Jr. Uh, And the article goes on to say also, uh, where is it? Let me see. Oh, yeah. Uh, Musk is also leaving all major hiring decisions to Trump, who indicated he will install conservative commentator Sebastian Gorka and MyPillow CEO Mike Lindell in key positions of Twitter leadership. Dude. It's fake news, even on the right, okay? So fake news is fake news. Uh, It's amusing, but please don't waste my time. Although, could you imagine, Jen, uh, Donald Trump Jr. as uh, CEO of Twitter? 
I want you, Donald Trump Jr., I want Mike Lindell, I want you all at Twitter. That would make me very, very happy. But only if you're the governor of... No, you're the, let's make you the mayor of Los Angeles. How about I'll that? I'll be the mayor of Los Angeles. You got right. it. I love how we do this, though. You know, enough with the crazy stories. Like, we have to... If we really want to start winning again, we've got to operate in reality please, a little bit. It's like... Please. You're, not, you know. you're, like, you're wasting your time. You're wasting my time sending it. Just don't do it. All right, we've got to talk about the, the new mayor. But first things first, guys, you have knocked it out of the park. Our goal was 1,074 children to receive Christmas presents from the Christmas uh, from the uh, Angel Tree Fellowship. You have exceeded that by 600 children. We are pushing 2,000 kids who will get a Christmas gift from their incarcerated parent because of you. All, all told over Salem, we've raised we, – we were trying to do a, a $300,000 – We've raised half a million in two weeks. Half a million dollars. You guys are the best. If you wanted to donate, if you haven't but want to, if you want to give more, please, last few days, it's one of the most blessed things you can do. Go to my website, sebgorka.com, click on the Angel Tree banner, $25 per child, per per, per present. If it's $125, that's five children who will get a gift from their parent, who will get a note from their mother or father, and a children's gospel. Please call them right now. You can uh, donate over the phone, 888-206-2794, or go to sebgorka.com and the Angel Tree banner at the very top. That's 888-206-2794 or sebgorka.com and the Angel Tree banner. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. All right. Talk to us about the new mayor, Jen. (laughs) Well, this one, we knew she was going to be active. You know, the last guy was barely around. This woman is using the office of mayor as a stepping stone to become president. This is or or whatever she wants to do next. She's definitely going to be active. And so on day one, she decided to declare a state of emergency in Los Angeles for the homeless crisis. And you think on the surface that that sounds pretty good because it is an emergency. It's a real problem. But... The, pro- the the issue, the sticky wicket, if you will, is that the former sheriff of Los Angeles County, who we really liked, Alex Villanueva, wanted to do the same thing for, like, years. And the board of supervisors said that he was awful and that it wasn't a, really a problem and that a state of emergency wasn't necessary. So now that he's gone, she's in, and it's a great idea. And so here we go with the state of emergency. It gives power to the government. It gives power to her office to really take in and take upon themselves any resources that they say will go to fixing this problem. So her first program, which she launched yesterday, is called Safe Inside. She was on all of the Sunday shows over the weekend. She was on Meet the Press and other places talking well, about what, this What is program. she like? How does she perform on media? You know, she's fine on media. She's done this for a long time. She's a political operator. She says a lot of words, but there's no plan. You know, it's very similar to the Kamala Harris model where you just utter things, but there's no substance. And so she says she hopes to get a quarter of the homeless people off the streets by the end of the year. And she hopes that they'll be gone and all of this, that they're going to be able to put them in shelter. But... They've tried this very same program during the pandemic. It was called Project Room Key, where the entire state of California was able able to take over hotel and motel rooms, give them to homeless people. 
that didn't really want them. The homeless people went in. They were abusing drugs. They were destroying rooms, left all kinds of property But what is damage. it? Is it like eminent domain? They just say, you will give us your hotel? It's exactly right. It, they call it, There's some fancy name around leasing. And so they've got $100 million for this program in L.A. County. And they say only $100 million when they're selling it. And they're obviously going to give some amount of money to motels and hotels around Los Angeles that have to report their occupancy by 2 o'clock to the city of Los Angeles, who will then take people in encampments and as the local media says coax them inside now one of the problems that we're dealing with is that is it going to be like et with like reese's pieces on the floor (laughs) like a little carrot on a string exactly i mean anybody since the caveman days what do we look for as human beings we look for water we look for food we look for shelter we look for heat If you are someone who is living on the streets of L.A., and I know it's not the Arctic, but it's still 46 degrees overnight these days, it's cold. If you're living on the streets and it's 46 degrees, would anybody have to coax you, Seb, inside? No, because you're (laughs) rational. Right. How would you have to coax somebody inside? So they're coaxing people to take advantage of these hotel rooms. So they're going to kill tourism in Los Angeles because who's going to want to take their kids to go swim next to a homeless guy who's bathing in a jacuzzi at the Motel 6? going to want to see this. They're going to allow and incentivize these shelter programs so that people from other places are going to come here because now we've opened up like government assisted homelessness, right? That makes it even easier for people who choose this lifestyle. And uh, we're going to be left with more money and more resources going to be left open. And they're not dealing with the mental illness and the drug addiction, which is what needs to be dealt with. But it- nobody wants to deal with the hard stuff. Are are the hotels, are the chains even trying to resist? They are upset. Now, keep in mind, this was just announced on Tuesday. But if you start to look at media outlets, these motels said we were already destroyed. We took so many losses during the pandemic. We don't want to do this all again. But it really does turn out to be like an imminent domain thing. And now they're going to be put out of business if they don't cooperate with the city. Uh, it just blows my mind. Where it's always the same question. We kind of revolve around it. It's like a, a chronic hysteresis. At, at what point do people say this is insane and utterly insane and we've had enough? Yeah, I don't know what the, to say. They just have to enforce the laws. You know, look, I don't have the – this is a big problem, and it's 100,000 deep at minimum in the city yeah. of L.A. But if you allowed police to arrest people for using drugs open air on the street and for camping on the street, which – It's already both of those things are illegal. Allow the police to enforce that and then say you can either go to jail or you can seek treatment. At least you're going to be pushing people into two choices instead of just allowing this like filth to live on the streets of Los Angeles and then wonder if opening up a couple of hotel rooms is going to fix it. It's not going to fix anything. It's actually going to make it worse. We know that. Uh, you know that. And so do all of your listeners. Follow this lady right now on Twitter, at Jennifer Horn, co-host of The Morning Answer, AM 870, AM 590. The answer, she's our West Coast warrior princess. Follow her also at CRN Digital Talk. I'm wishing you a very, very Merry Christmas to you and your uh, co-host in training. What's his name? <laughs> oh, Grant. Grant, Grant. Stinchfield. Thank you. God bless. <laughs> I'm Sebastian Gorka. This is America First. Next, we have the Baron. Yes, Boris Epstein. He is senior advisor to the Trump 2024 campaign. I'm going to ask him a very simple question. When does it start? We want to see the president back in action. Then your calls here on America First. Don't forget to follow us on all social media, on Twitter, Truth Social, Facebook, Instagram, Getter, 
Oh my gosh, Parler, Clout Hub, and Substack, SebastianGorkus.substack.com. Sebastian well listen to him he's with us I like that combination the uh, endorsement from President Trump for the show and then the music from the iconic TV show the British show the Avengers that's how you put your show host in a good mood uh, welcome back dear friends hour two of America first a third hour will be a one-on-one with Cash Patel uh, we will be discussing the latest revelations coming from Twitter you saw that it turned out yesterday that the DOJ was spying on Devin Nunes' staff in Congress, including Cash Patel. Don't miss a moment of our show uh, if you wish uh, to subscribe on Spotify to guarantee you never miss a nanosecond. Go today, plug in my name, Sebastian Gawker, America First. It's absolutely free. Re- leave a five-star review and then share the links with your friends. It's that time of the week. Uh, perfect, perfect timing, given what's happened yesterday in Congress, to talk to, I don't, I can't put him in a box, there is no taxonomy that is adequate to this man. Uh, we will w- ask him to wear one of his hats for the next few minutes, and that is presidential historian, Lord Conrad Black. Welcome back to America First. Thank you, Sebastian, and thank you for your kind greeting, kind introduction. So uh, you've written s- numerous works on, on the chief executive, uh, on President Nixon, uh, on Donald Trump, on, on FDR. Uh, yesterday, the House forwarded multiple criminal indictment referrals to the Department of Justice, which, if uh, President Trump were found guilty, would lead to a 40-year prison sentence. Uh, a, a man who was a presidential historian had this to say about recent events. This is Michael Beschloss on MSNBC. Cut nine. Play cut. You know, who was Jefferson Davis? He wasn't president of anything. Confederacy wasn't a country, but he waged an insurrection for four years, and he was put in jail for two years, and he was finally never tried because the uh, equivalent of the Justice Department in those days, the Attorney General of the United States, wasn't sure he would get a conviction, was thought it would look too political. So what happened when Jefferson Davis was let out? Just like Donald Trump and just like Richard Nixon, although Nixon did, I think, not one-tenth of the uh, bad things that Donald Trump did. Nixon didn't do one-tenth of the bad things Donald Trump did, and Donald Trump is far more like Jefferson Davis. Uh, Beschloss actually used to be a presidential historian, correct, Conrad? Yes, uh, and I thought his first books were very good, but he has gradually degenerated, and, and, he, and he is now just a, a babbling fool. And what he says on these matters, as, as the recording you just played for us, indicates and shows is simply bunk. It's just bunk. I mean, what on earth he imagines the parallel between Donald Trump and Jefferson Davis, who led an insurrection in which three quarters of a million people died because he insisted on the retention of slavery. Where he draws a parallel like that, I really don't know. But uh, but uh, even in that one, as you know, 
President Lincoln and then President Andrew Johnson, neither of them had the slightest interest in, in, in trying Jefferson Davis. They just wanted to put the war behind them and, uh, in Mr. Lincoln's famous phrase, bind up the nation's wounds. As for Mr. Nixon, uh, 50 years after Watergate, there's still no probative evidence that he himself committed any offenses. So in this, as in many other matters, I don't know what Beschloss is talking about, and neither does he. But as for President Trump, this this uh, reporting out from the uh, January 6th Kangaroo Committee yesterday, is it was inevitable. We knew the day it was set up what it would do. The, there, there was no other side to it. It was all fanatical Trump haters. The, the, the witnesses who appeared and supposedly spoke spontaneously had their evidence on, on teleprompters and just read from that. The whole thing was, uh, was an outrage on a scale that, uh, that well, it wouldn't have engaged in the same barbarity as a matter of uh, uh, jurisprudential conduct. It was no better than Hitler's favorite judge, raving Roland Freisler. It was just a, a mockery. And there is no evidence whatsoever, as the FBI director, uh, Christopher Wray, has confirmed, connecting President Trump to any of the hooliganism or vandalism or trespass at the Capitol on January 6th of last year. This is just bunk. It's a disgrace. Just a reminder of how deranged these people can become who, who fall uh, to Trump derangement syndrome. This, this was Beschloss uh, just about uh, two months ago prior to the midterm elections actually um, outdoing himself. This is cut 10, play cut. And a historian 50 years from now, if historians are allowed to write in this country, and if there are still free publishing houses and a free press, which, which I'm not certain of, but if that is true, a historian will say what was at stake tonight and this week was the fact whether we will be a democracy in the future, whether our children will be arrested and conceivably killed. We're on the edge of a brutal authoritarian system, and it could be a week away. Local access cable channel. That's MSNBC talking about children being murdered if the Republicans win the election. Uh, it's hard to even even comment on that. But let's look at what happened yesterday, uh, Lord Black. We have multiple uh, referrals for criminal indictments, including uh, aiding and abetting an insurrection uh, and also obstructing an official proceeding. Uh, what is your expectation coming out of uh, the DOJ under Merrick Garland? My, my prediction is that they will try one of the less Lesser, lesser charges because they just, like Beschloss, seem to have lost all connection with reality. Uh, I'll tell you, first of all, Garland will do what he's told. Uh, <laughs> the conduct of the Justice Department in, in important matters involving public office holders present and past, uh, has nothing to do with the laws. Even Andy McCarthy has acknowledged it's a straight political call, and the Department of Justice is just an arm of the Dirty Tricks Division of the Democratic National Committee. Garland is, is, is simply an operative who will sign indictments, if told to do so by the White House. And, um, uh, and looking back on it, the greatest service Mitch McConnell has performed for the United States in his long period as head of the Republicans in the U.S. Senate it is not to allow Garland's nomination to the Supreme Court to come to a vote. Yeah. Um, but uh, I think what is going to happen is 
because it, it appears, and I, I personally regret this, but it appears that President Trump's standing as a candidate for renomination is slightly being diluted and starting to fade. If the Democrats pursue him anyway and indict him, they will commit the classic error of fighting this war by last war's standards and targets. And uh, the fact is, while a, a great many people have been whipped up by the wall-to-wall Trump-hating media to dislike the former president, at least as many people dislike the chaos inflicted on the country by the persecutors of the former president. And And if they indict Trump, I think it is going to be a disaster. And meaning meaning it will make the President Trump stronger? Well, I, I, in either sense, it'll either make him stronger, or if he isn't the nominee, it'll be a distracting sideshow uh, that, that, that will show that the Democrats have simply gone down the rabbit hole of their obsession with Trump, e- even though, you know, what's at stake if Trump is not the candidate if Trump isn't the candidate, it'll be a, a pro-Trump candidate. It'll be a, a candidate espousing Trump's policies. And, and, and the Democrats will simply be transported uh, into obsolescence and retirement and discredit and, and, uh, and, and departure from office in every respect, uh, chasing to the end their d- demonic uh, pathological hatred of Trump, who, whatever they do, uh, and contrary to what Beschloss thinks, 50 years from now and long before that will be seen as an outstanding president. But they will not show temperance when it comes to these indictments. Do you agree that they will at least try something in, in the next few months? I, I think I think the likelihood is that they will. The only, I mean, I'm not the best qualified person to judge what goes on in the febrile minds of, <laughs> of these Trump haters, but... Uh, um, and there are few people who are in less sympathy with them than I am. But uh, I think the only circumstances in which they would finally leave it alone would be if they were satisfied that Trump was was not going to be the Republican uh-huh. nominee. Uh, in that case, they might just let it go. But they might just be fanatical and stupid enough to go after him anyway. I think I, I think that is probably right. Uh, fanaticism, arrogance, uh, and stupidity. We're talking to the co-host of the podcast, Scholars and Sense. Follow him on Twitter at Conrad M. Black, author of Donald J. Trump, a president like no other, and also FDR, a champion of democracy, and uh, Richard Milhouse Nixon, a life lived in full. I'm Sebastian Gorker. More with Lord Black in a moment. If you enjoy our discussions, don't forget to subscribe to America First. Go to Spotify, plug in my name, Sebastian Gorka, America First. Leave us a five-star review, share the links with your friends. And don't forget, if you're looking for some last-minute stocking stuffers, we have our Yuletide deal at SebGorkaStore.com. The America First Tervis Tumblr mug and choice of America First hat, $15 off, SebGorkaStore.com. That's SebGorkaStore.com. To America First with Sebastian Gorka, former strategist to President Donald J. Trump. 
You are amazing, ladies and gentlemen. Already in just over two weeks, you've raised over half a million dollars for our Angel Tree campaign to get Christmas presents to more than to the more than one and a half million children in this nation who have a mother or father incarcerated this Christmas. Uh, thank you to everyone who's already donated. It's just $25 per present per child. They get a note from their uh, imprisoned mother or father and a children's gospel. If you haven't done so already, if you'd like to do something truly, truly blessed this Christmas, make a donation for any amount, but $125 is five children who will feel a little bit more loved this Christmas. Thanks to you. Go to sebgorka.com and click on the Angel Tree banner at the top or phone in your tax-deductible donation by dialing 888-206-2794. That's 888-206-2794. 206-2794. Angel Tree uh, is the tab at the top of sebgorka.com. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. We are back with Lord Conrad Black. Uh, Lord Black, so many things are being divulged out of Twitter headquarters in just the last a couple of weeks. However, yesterday we have this blockbuster revelation. Five years ago, uh, Google was subpoenaed uh, uh, surreptitiously by the FBI to hand over, and I'm reading directly uh, from uh, an article at justinnews.com. This is the exclusive from John Solomon. Subpoenas deba- demanded a broad swath of records from Google, including all customer and sub- subscriber account information, addresses, mailing addresses, local and long-distance telephone connection records, and even means and sources of payment for such service, such as credit card or bank account numbers. Who are the people they subpoenaed? Staff members. Serving staff members of the House Intelligence Committee working for Devon Nunes, including Cash Patel, who will uh, be with us in the third hour. Um, Am I uh, disconnected from reality or or would all other things being equal in a normal country, just that one disclosure alone be cause for a massive enduring scandal? You you are not out of touch at all. It it is... uh... It is uh, crowding the flagpole with, with, with red flags of warning. I mean, it's like the, a day at the beach when the sharks are only 10 feet from the shore and all the flags go up. I mean, uh, it, it's a, a maximum danger signal that the rights of people on a scale that means the rights of all are being challenged. Uh, and the entire institutional structure of the country is endangered. I mean, it is an absolute outrage. It's conceivable that such a step could be justified in the midst of a war or something like that. But but uh, for the times in which that occurred and for the purposes for which such a step was taken, uh, that that is an is an absolute assault upon any sense of security one could justifiably have in the integrity of the electoral system. And for those who who missed one of the buried leads in the story, this information wasn't released willingly or even by court order. Google, shockingly, has an internal protocol whereby they inform their customers five years after a subpoena has been uh, surreptitiously uh, obtained by the government and just tells them, oh, by the way, five years ago, we gave your information to the FBI and the DOJ. Doesn't this make a mockery of of, uh, checks and balances and division of power in the American system? 
a complete mockery, and, and such a such a practice is simply an insult. I mean, notice five years later is 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 absolutely absurd. There's no uh, a precedent to be found for that in any respectable system of protection uh, of people's rights of privacy. I mean, as you know, telephone intercepts are acceptable under certain circumstances, but you have to give notice of it on a timely basis. Yeah. You can't sit around for five years. And then the when it comes to Twitter, the, the latest revelation that the FBI actually paid Twitter more than $3 million for email. You're doing their dirty work to censor conservatives. Again, that by itself should be a national scandal, should it not? It should, and it is. And uh, I have been one of those who up to now has accepted the, the view that Jack Dorsey probably couldn't be charged with lying to Congress, although he was under oath on this issue, because you might not know that for certain what the right answer to the questions about are you censoring and so that you know those questions that were put to him. Um, but this, I think, we're getting into an area here where he could not possibly have been unaware of it. Right. And to have answered as he did seems to me like a straight case of laying under oath. Now, look, I'm not, I have no particular uh, bone to pick with Jack Dorsey. But, uh, again, it's a pretty shocking business when someone goes to the Congress, takes the oath, and, and says certain things that are then proved to be completely false. Is there any way to posit reasonably that a nation has free and fair elections when the the leading information platforms are being uh, covertly censored by law enforcement? I, I would I wouldn't put it quite as strongly as your question implied, but I think it is a clearly a a, a grave. Um, impairment of the credibility of the process. Uh, I mean, it, it is a, uh, it, it's an absolutely outrageous intervention by a, a, an agency of government sworn to impartiality uh, in a way bound to be prejudicial of, uh, to, to the results. I, I mean, it's it's something that the entire population should be pitchfork in hand about i don't mean up in arms because i'm not you know i'm not calling i mean nowadays you're apt to be you know accused of calling for insurrection if you suggest picking up a letter opener but i mean the way the way the justice department is conducting itself but um uh, but no i mean the answer to your question is that the, the, this obviously is an assault upon the integrity of the electoral system and and i I'm mystified and very disconcerted that that isn't apparently the view of everybody in the country above the age of six with an IQ in at least double figures. We only have and a I few seconds why. left. Do you have any confidence that the GOP will do something about this after January? Yeah, I think they will try to. Uh, I think they will try to, and I, I, I think they'll do their best. But I, all indications are that they'll be stonewalled by most of the media and the Democrats, the leadership in the Senate and others, will, and the administration will simply pour cold water on it and say it's just a smear job and an overreaction. And the, the Trump Republicans merely trying to cover their tracks, given that their leader is you know, clearly a, 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 a so far are unconvicted, but only temporarily unconvicted criminal. And, and uh, 
you know, I haven't seen anything yet that, that gives me any optimism that the, the great silent majority of decent, sensible, law-abiding Americans are getting anywhere near as concerned and outraged at all of this as they should be. Well, that is why our conversations will have to continue into the new year. I am wishing you a very, very Merry Christmas. We've been talking to our regular guest, one of your favorites, Lord Conrad Black. Follow him at Conrad M. Black on Twitter and ConradMBlack.com, author of Donald J. Trump, a president like no other. This is America First. Stay on this channel. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.